0: Hi
1: everyone, I'm Mania, and I'm Natasha, and this is Avocados Avocados. And our topic for today is about censorship. And for today's episode, we are actually joined by a guest star. So we're here with Sreena, who's a high school student based in New Delhi, India. She is passionate about social issues and international relations. She's a published writer and believes in activism via art. She also has her own podcast called The Teenage
0: Lens, which you guys can also check out. Hi, everyone. Oh, my God, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you, Vanya. And I'm looking forward to a really cool discussion about this kind of controversial topic, honestly.
1: Absolutely. So why did you want to talk about this issue? Like, what is the situation like in India?
0: Well, it's very sad to say <laughs> think, Yeah, I feel like nowadays our government is definitely on the right wing, a more authoritative government, you could say. And freedom of speech is dying day by day. And- journalists are getting arrested comedians are getting arrested for a joke man it's
2: we've reached comedians. like all templars, so it's not good Oh, so is it just comedians or what other groups of people like affected by this
0: yeah so it's anybody I feel, I feel like artists in general and by art I mean anybody who creates something like a writer a journalist who writes an article a comedian who writes a joke uh, an author who writes a book. All of these, you know, mediums. If they happen to question the legitimacy of the government, you can get arrested. That's literally the end of it.
2: Oh, so anything that's kind of against the narrative that like the government mm-hmm. presents, they can get like, yes. arrested. Now, same thing for yeah. Singapore. Yeah, yeah. So in Singapore,
1: generally, we have this sort of law yeah. called PAFMA. So mm-hmm. the government basically defends PAFMA by saying that it's to prevent the spread of false information, and it doesn't want like people in Singapore to fall victim to online information that may not be the truth yeah
2: before covid it was mainly to stop like there were people who promoted halal pork Mm -hmm. on like supermarkets and stuff Mm -hmm. like that it helped mainly during covid because there were a lot of misinformation spread about how like the virus has already killed people in china before it reached singapore and so on
1: yeah and this Mm -hmm. law has actually become like a point of controversy Mm -hmm. because it's giving like a lot of power to the government power that can ultimately be abused even the opposition party in singapore is quite against it Mm -hmm. i think pritam singh has actually like spoken out about this it has basically been like brought up a lot and there's been a lot of debate on it Mm -hmm. and we're basically here to assess if these kind of things should be put in place in the first place yeah i
2: mean i'm not really sure for like in india like do you guys Mm -hmm. have like Is there a specific law that the government arrests people on? Right.
0: So, um, we have, like, a variety of laws. One such law that really stands out is called the UAPA, which is Unlawful Acts Prevention Act. So, basically, through this, generally, if somebody is to be arrested and you're, you know, sentencing them to prison, there's a court trial which determines how many years... But through the UAPA, if you're arrested by this law, there's no court trial. You don't even get information. You can just be arrested, put behind bars. You don't get information. You don't get a fair trial. You're just behind bars. No explanation oh, whatsoever. So it's just an
2: arrest charge, basically, and get thrown in a cell.
0: Yes. And, you know, a lot of students, so we have a, college, a university in India called the Jawaharlal Nehru University, and it's kind of known for its sort of, you know, anti-government sentiments. So a lot mm. of student leaders, one leader called Umar Khalid, is, you know you are I don't know, 20, 21 year old. He was arrested because there was some sort of a rally that he was leading, and that's just that's just how the law is being utilized
2: oh i see what
1: is the penalty for for like being arrested for puffer do you get
2: arrested in the first place uh okay you can get arrested but they give you a fine so for individuals it's like a fifty thousand dollar fine and or imprisonment for up to five years.
1: Oh wow! Yeah,
2: and there's this crazy thing. It's also different from companies. It's like higher ten years imprisonment and or hundred thousand dollar fine. If you have fake bots mm-hmm. or you create fake accounts and like the company discharge these fake accounts, mm-hmm. they can be fined up to a million dollars. Oh wow! Yeah. So in Singapore, what we try to do is like mainly huge on fines. But there's like this Australian activist. I'm not sure if she's Australian, but she did live in Melbourne after this happened, like she moved there. So she was an activist who basically said how Singapore is a terribly racist country. And then after that the police gave a stern warning. She wasn't hit by Poffma or anything. But it's like is it an example of how like censorship does happen in Singapore outside of just Poffma? Oh, I see Yeah, but POFMA itself, yeah, you mm-hmm. get fines For example, SDP Yeah, a Singapore Democratic Party oh. So yeah. they made a post about like poaching salaries and stuff And it was hit by POFMA What they do, the first instance Is the minister decides whether that article mm-hmm. is false or not
1: Wait, just one person?
2: Yeah, just one In 2019, they gave that power to all ministers oh. Any minister can decide mm-hmm. whether an article is true or not Yeah And then the second instance, if you try to like appeal, so they give you a corrective direction first, then you can appeal that. And Mm -hmm. then it goes to the high court, where a judge decides what people will think of it, if it causes like tensions or like rioting that Mm kind of disrupts harmony in Singapore. But that's weird because they don't actually have the public in general that gives their opinion on it. And I feel like, like you said, artists, art itself can be interpreted in many ways. And Mm -hmm. it's supposed to only target facts but oh. it targets opinions that- and, Like
1: subjective stuff that mm. is open to interpretation
2: Like for example, when I was actually researching about this topic mm-hmm. New Narrative, which is a show, created a video about Pafma, and then it got hit by Pofma Right uh, The government targeted five opinions that he had The ministers misinterpret things mm-hmm. and don't actually ask us for their opinion And that's like more of like an opinion, how he views things Yeah But there are things in the video that POFMAT doesn't scrutinize. Uh But I think
0: it's really flawed that, you know, if somebody spreads false information, you cannot stop the spread of false information by, you know, stopping information spread completely. Like you have to, like maybe some regulatory laws, but I believe this is not helping in stopping false information at all.
2: Yeah, and I think, like, the public could interpret it some other way than the minister interprets something. Yeah, Or uh, even the person, like, let's say I say a statement, let's say you're offended by that statement, you would ask me, like, oh, I don't understand, can you explain to me why you said that? Yeah. So you can at least understand the other side. So it's
1: not really, like, a two-way thing. But no. I think in general, right, the idea of Pafma is, like, it, it's quite an innocent, like... Yeah, it's an innocent law. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> innocent. Like if you if you just want to like stop the spread of false information, you're actually helping people out. But are there like instances where it has strike things with like another political
2: group, or like ideology? Yeah, cause I know they were um, striking anti government. Yeah. So S C P, like I said, they were talking about poaching salaries, cause that was a part of their like agenda basically to yeah. apply this to Singapore. They take it as it's going to affect the outcome of general elections, uh-huh. which is under Section 7 of that law. But
1: that's not actually, like, false information. Yeah, it's though. not
2: false information. But what they use it as is that since it's not backed up by facts on whether people support it or not yeah. or whether it's going to be, like, an effective thing, I easier. I it's easier to target them. Because you could just use that, oh, it's going to affect the general elections, Right. the outcome of it the main reason why it was also put up was also because you know the elections in america like the russians interfering with those yeah so they wanted to also prevent like fake news and spread of like that type of information yeah but like international websites or like platforms they like talk about how singapore has like this fake news policy that's terrible for critics and activists but they don't strike them Right. They only strike Singaporean activists themselves. If you're being striked
1: because you're like putting something out that's like anti-government, then you're also losing your credibility. Yeah, like exactly. people will like stop trusting the information you put out, you'll probably
2: like lose followers.
1: Mm, that's true. But true. I, think,
2: I mean in India, is it the same thing where, like the government is more on top of censorship or is it the government has like a separate group that controls media and everything?
0: Well, <laughs> if you ask me, I would say the government has bought off all the media, but nice. that is <laughs> too grim of a viewpoint. But basically, um, I feel like in India, one, one such problem is that any anybody who says anything that's anti-government or questions the government, yep. they're given the label of anti-national, that they're against mm. the nation as a whole, which, mm. is a, which is an over-exaggeration. This is not how it works. If you are living in a democratic country, I feel like everybody should be a little bit anti-government because you should Mm -hmm. question your government all the time. And given the label of anti-national, that just aggregates the issue into something it is not and makes it sound worse and it makes it sound like a terrorist, even when you're just a citizen questioning the deeds done by the government. That's
2: simple. I think if people like, say and explain anti-government policies and they explain why maybe that's false it gives actually people more trust in the government when you explain Mm -hmm. why opposition could be wrong less in a way of like silencing them and more of actually like interacting with the substance of their arguments for sure i think that's also an issue that singapore faces right yeah Where
1: there aren't many people who dare to like go against the government because they feel like it's gonna like affect them in some sort of way.
2: Yeah, job environment, mm-hmm. even in education
1: sectors. Yeah, exactly. The government yeah. has to like they they have to do certain activities to reach out to these groups of people that choose to be a bit more withdrawn. Oh,
2: like Singapore conversation and those type of like, yeah things. yeah yeah. I think the government has done a good thing by having those type of like conversations at yeah, least. Yeah, definitely. Outlet. I mean, in Singapore, it's good that they have that outlet, at least even though like it may not draw action. I don't know if you're even allowed to say stuff against like India in general.
0: I, we have like certain, you know, um, like in the local level, you talk to your, um, you know, elected people and that's, it's pretty low key. But in general, when it comes to a prime minister, let's say it's very hard to have a press conference where anybody mm-hmm. can ask him anything because normally the j- journalists who ask our prime minister questions they are you can tell they have it's scripted they <laughs> have been told beforehand the questions have been pre- prepared beforehand mm-hmm. and it's all just so fake and tacky and it's just oh, it's easily understandable I see. so yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. that so i have a question so like mm-hmm. in india we currently do have the sedition law which was left behind by the british so is that the same for singapore yeah we also Many have
2: the sedition chance? law yeah Still. Yeah, we still have that.
0: Ooh, okay.
2: But it also tackles like discrimination, like you shouldn't say anything that's against other races to create tensions. Mm -hmm. So it's a good thing. But it's also somewhat a bad thing because like anything you say outside that's anti-PAP can be attacked under that law. The activist that I mentioned earlier that had to move out of Singapore because she got a stern warning from the police. She was going to be attacked under the sedition law. I what like is the sedition oh. law? So wait, in India it's the same right?
0: Yeah, we I believe Singapore and India they're both you know, British, British colonies yeah, so we have the same sedition law. Mainly you cannot say anything against the British Raj, against the British rule, that was back mm-hmm. then. Right now I guess it applies, you cannot say anything that is, you know, questioning the current government. I guess we can interpret it that way. And it's
2: also under the penal code. I think they also understand that sometimes the penal code needs to be worded more specific on what uprising tensions are because there are like more people protesting about certain issues in Singapore. Mm -hmm. So you cannot just strike every single person down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So is it they always justify their actions by that law or is it like a different way?
0: A lot. Of, okay, so in India, a lot of things happen uh, with religion. Mm. So a lot of times, you know, some derogatory comment against, uh, let's say, Hinduism. So they are attacked. They are put behind bars or whatever. So I believe we justify it by our faith. We're like, no, we are a Hindu country. We cannot, you know, accept these kind of comments. And oftentimes it's involving religion. Other mm. times, we just talk about how it's anti-national. You're, you know that. You know, we've heard that story. But I feel like religion is a very important part when it comes to, you know, freedom of speech in India because we get really sensitive about these kind of things. So how, what is the condition in Singapore? Uh, the
2: condition now is that more people are protesting though. A lot more like, protests yeah. happening.
1: But like in terms of like race and religion, like that's actually something that we are taught in school even. Like when we are a citizen, we are entitled to a couple of rights and we're also entitled to responsibilities. So, we are taught that we have freedom of speech to the extent that we do not harm other groups of people. And I think that that's definitely quite important because I feel like
0: I kind of disagree because I read somewhere by some person from the UN saying that Mm -hmm. if you have the freedom to choose your religion, to choose whatever you want, that's freedom for you. Then somebody else has the freedom to perhaps maybe criticize you for it, maybe question your decision. So both ways, both the individuals have their own freedom. So I guess if somebody is maybe, you know, criticizing someone's religion, that should not, that is still freedom. We should not. I think that should be normalized. It's okay. But I think that that's really dependent on the type of
1: society that you're in. I think in countries like India, there's like a very high Hindu population, very high Muslim population. And most countries that is the case. But in a country like Singapore, where it's literally like in our pledge that you know we must respect everyone regardless of their race, language, or religion, mm-hmm. you need to have these laws in
2: place because just small acts of like racism can cause uproar. Yeah, I guess in Singapore, with like a lot of cultures, a lot of like religions that live in under the same yeah exactly sometimes public order um, like how the government says it's hard to balance between freedom and speech and public order because sometimes public order is the only way to facilitate freedom of speech right so you know one very interesting example in
0: India which is how religion evolves through its criticism so in India we have this practice called sati so sati it used to be practiced in let's say um, 1800s okay so Mm -hmm. in which when a woman, her husband, dies, she becomes a widow. Mm-hmm. She has to kill herself as well. She has to get in the into the fire that burns oh her husband's God. body. Oh she God. cannot live any longer because her husband is dead. And this was basically to prevent her from inheriting her husband's property. So this was part of our Hinduism ideology. It was never mentioned in the Gita, it's never explicitly promoted by, you know, the religious books, but it is something our Brahmin priests preached. Mm-hmm. Now, through criticism of this religion of this act of through criticism from intellectuals from educated people we finally banned sati and through this criticism we have evolved into a religion that is better that does not do these do these practices even now so this is an example of how freedom of speech opposing certain practices in religion or maybe a race that can actually benefit that religion and race and not cause a proce. For sure.
1: Yeah. I think that like generally when it comes to Singapore we don't have like such extremists, like wow, <laughs> that's good. Very very <laughs> extremist, like religious. And I think if in Singapore there's people practicing such crazy things then of course yeah. we should talk about them but i think in general like the things that people complain about would maybe be like people would feel annoyed by the smoke that comes from joss sticks that uh, are burnt during hungry ghost festival wow. or mm-hmm. maybe like you know how hindus have to ring a bell during their prayers if you're like talking badly about stuff like that mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have like a huge impact
2: oh uh, i guess yeah if you're doing an act that's really violent and against a religion like not in yeah. a way to like Criticise or bring up your like misconceptions or bring a consensus to maybe stop a certain part of practice yeah. That is uncomfortable to you If that turns into violence and harms another group Maybe sometimes public order is something you prioritise first before.
1: Absolutely, and like in Singapore mm-hmm. especially like We have um, HDB buildings which are basically flats mm-hmm. And there's this like CMIO framework The yeah. Chinese, Malay, Indian and others And based off of that, your neighbors are going to be chosen. So Mm -hmm. in each floor of your flat, you're going to be living with like maybe two Chinese households, one Indian household, one Malay household. Mm -hmm. And like there's many instances in a Singaporean's life where they are supposed to interact with people of different races, Mm -hmm. not only in terms of housing, but also in terms of maybe national service, where you are like specifically put with people of different races. Mm -hmm. And if you're living in a country where there are so many instances of such things, And you're still having, like, this mindset. Mm -hmm. I think that in that case, censorship is justified.
2: Mm. I think, like, in those ways, though, there's always an argument where it can lead to violence, it can lead to riots. Mm -hmm. I feel like it needs to be in a, like, certain environment. Like, if you see someone saying something racist, you should, like, approach them as, like, a friend or they must at least try to have some friend where they can say all these comments to and that friend could give like a clarification on everything yeah so it's not a complete like censorship but they must say in confidence with someone who is of that race they're targeting yeah. but can mm-hmm. explain to them why these things are misconceptions For or sure. prejudice so complete censorship maybe is not a good thing but censoring out certain comments from like the entire community is good. Maybe like a small group of people can address misconceptions Mm -hmm. online. Mm -hmm. Like they can somehow find some sort of platform. But you know with social media that's very hard, information spreads everywhere. Yeah. So some censorship somewhat can help. But I guess the real issue and the issue that they should target at hand is trying to explain why like certain comments I agree. It's yeah. like, you can get censored and stuff, but you still won't understand why that mindset is wrong. Yeah. And it doesn't like directly mean that if you're censored, then you're not going to do it again. Yeah, and I think the same thing with censoring anti-government policies. Instead of addressing them and addressing the substance of their argument, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. people are less likely to understand why anti-government policies are bad. Like If you explain why those are bad or are really extremists, then even like the public will have more reliance on the government and there would be less opposition right. there'll so. be less opposition as well if the government is truly like, sincere on like their actions and their policies yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. I think censorship is an example to show why they're not sincere in their actions and policies and POVMA itself it's the law like there's probably like a lot of fake news that spreads in India right as well right mm mm-hmm. for sure yeah so I think Pafma itself should have been used in a way that isn't like manipulated to critic um, to sorry to catch critics or yeah, yeah. to let ministers interpret interpret information on what they think the public will see as like racist or um, anything that is against like harmony. Yeah I think they should have just used it against maybe like international fake news, fake news about campaigns. And ask the person who is saying that news to explain or give a direct appeal first before they issue a corrective direction on them.
1: For sure, because I think that PAFMA is, like, a great law to have
2: if it's practiced, like, properly without, like, any bad intentions. Actually, I watched (coughs) the parliament, like, when they elected the law in parliament, I watched it, and it was very long. I sat there for one hour, but... (laughs) They were, like, saying again and again, like, oh, even though this, like, piece of information has little evidence to back it up, Yeah. Um. as long as it's seen as, like, factual or an opinion or something that doesn't cause, like, uproar, and we'll try not to use it against critics, like, they try to justify how they won't abuse this law, but then after it's passed, the things that they promised us weren't, like, upheld.
1: Yeah. But, like... Um. Is, is the Sedition Act just something that British colonies have? Like, is this a worldwide thing? I Do know. other British colonies, like ex-British colonies, still have the law?
0: I don't think so. Like Australia is a British colony. I'm pretty sure they won't have it because they're yeah. Australia, born. I'm
2: pretty sure <laughs> abolished it. It's not abolished it, but probably rewrote the law. Australia has rewrote yeah. a lot of laws mm-hmm. already.
0: Yeah. But I believe Australia has, like, you know, some blasphemy laws. Like, that blasphemy laws are also present in, like, a lot of countries. And that's also a part of freedom of speech. Can you criticize God? Is that freedom or is that, I don't know, disrespect? That's a thing to debate over.
2: Oh, yeah. A lot of people say how, like, um, atheists, like, there is this idea where if you're an atheist, you're kind of criticizing the existence of God just mm-hmm. by saying you're an atheist. <laughs> and that's uh, like, some people that's don't. Stupid. I think like, yeah, the guidelines of freedom of speech is also very blur to Singaporeans. Seriously. Yeah.
1: Cause, I think I, <laughs> that when we look at like freedom of speech, the country that is supposed to like encompass these values perfectly
2: is supposed to be the U.S.
1: Oh, oh yeah. my God, no, 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 I know,
2: but I do think like the U. S. because they have a more diverse population. So. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and it's very interesting because I think U. S. is like one of the top five or something in terms of like diversity in population. But the way that they deal with like their diversity and the way that Singapore deals with our diversity is very different. They're yeah. like allowing for freedom of speech while we are like
2: suppressing it. But also the Trump administration, though.
0: I feel like we should not be glorifying the United States because they have a lot of stuff that is you know not uh
2: applaudable and i'm pretty sure they're not actually in the top five like i feel like we should fact check that thing sure. and yeah but in terms of like america's what i've known and like watched and like researched on for america the freedom of speech laws is very like um kind of like they tend not to let people be nationalistic but they mm-hmm. also put in the idea of everyone should be like equal and any opinion good or bad can be shared but sometimes that lets bad opinions, um, it's gone to the point where, you know, like, the white supremacists, white supremacists, like, they did, like, riots near the White House. <laughs> so, yeah. like, people blame that on, like, how freedom of speech is not um, guideline to the point where it's, like, when you say something, it incites something. Right. Freedom of speech is supposed to be, like, it's not supposed to incite anything, it's just giving out your opinion for it to be critiqued and other
0: people. Sure, no, like I feel like I think I disagree in that point because mm-hmm. certain at certain times um riots I'm not, you know, uh, glorifying violence or any of the any of that sort, but I'm just saying that at times if you're living in a very let's say very bad society, very bad government, and you voice out your concern and perhaps the only way to change that government, to bring out some change, is through a riot, is through a protest. And if yeah, your speech true. incites a protest that overturns this government and brings out a better government, then I
2: believe it's good. You're doing the good thing. I think Don't it you can so? be very... a good thing, but like, for example, the white supremacist riots, like, those are... Okay, examples. that's... Yeah. That's so the issue. That's... If, you know, speech can lead to different outcomes, you were saying.
1: Yeah, so I'm very interested to hear, Srina, Like, why do you think that the U.S. shouldn't be glorified in terms of, like freedom of speech like do you think that it shouldn't be glorified because of its lack of freedom of speech like
0: as like oh. the third most diverse country in the world um they are for sure diverse but i personally feel like the united states has so many conflicts going on and i just That's true. just for any for any context not just for freedom of speech but anything whenever we you know praise the united states i just feel a little weird because a lot of times we don't talk about the other side we don't talk about all of the violence all of for the sure. things i've done in other countries and the thing is that nothing happens in the united states sorry everything happens somewhere in the you know, middle east in palestine israel everything is happening somewhere else mm-hmm. so That's i just true. feel like they're involved in so many things and okay sure maybe they don't arrest you for <laughs> calling trump an orange man okay they won't do that fine <laughs> but but, but I feel like there is lacking in many other areas. Okay, freedom of speech, they're still better than our countries. Okay, I give it
2: to them. Fine. I think freedom of speech in America is pretty good. But the issue is, like, they let it become, like, they they let uh, riots be the result of freedom of speech. Sometimes they don't let certain groups of people, like, for example, white supremacist, like, groups, they should at least be, like, checked. Or they should at least be have, like, some type of, Policing around certain groups that they know harms other groups of people, like groups that support Black Lives Matter or LGBTQI groups in America, it's good that they uprise against the government. But that also shows, like, that depends on how the government wants to police, like, freedom of speech. And if, like, for example, the Trump administration, he would probably, if he had stricter, like, freedom of speech laws, he would shut down any type of LGBTQI riots. And that's already almost happening. Like, there's a lot of, like, uh, policemen that, like, uh, try to arrest LGBTQI rioters, yeah. spray them with, like, mm-hmm. what do you call it?
0: Um, pepper spray? Yeah, like, pepper spray.
2: Or, oh. Or gas them and stuff like that.
0: So. Okay. Hmm. So, like, when the white supremacists, they stormed the white House, I think that was when Biden was elected and they were saying that this result is not legitimate, yeah, right? Yeah, like,
2: Trump is the only, should be.
0: Yeah. Congress. And I feel like that's. I mean, it's okay. They shouldn't have stormed the water fight house, but I feel like that's okay. Like, as a democracy, as a democratic government, if you feel like the election result is not legitimate, if you feel like there has been something wrong with it, you should be free to question it. I am not condoning, I'm not proposing violence or anything, but I think it's okay to question the result and it's okay to do it unless and until you're killing someone. That's not okay. Yeah.
2: yeah, so I think really, like, in terms of, like, Anything freedom of speech from what we've discussed so far, it's good that there are countries with really strict anti-freedom of speech laws to kind of like lower them or yep. make them more lenient so that local critics or like anyone can say their opinions about getting arrested. But not to the point where like in situations like America where it leads to like violence sometimes or riots. Or yeah. overturning the government. But sometimes also overturning the government is yeah. a So thing. So, <laughs> That's so it's very like is. on a case by case basis. It's, I feel like different countries should set their guidelines also based on their population and their dem- mm-hmm. demographics of their population.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, I think it's really great that we're talking about like um, other countries in comparison to ours because it's very interesting to note that like India mm-hmm. is the most diverse country and the US is like almost the most diverse country and you see Mm -hmm. the different ways that they're dealing
0: with this diversity Mm -hmm. and
1: it's very contrasting. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm, For sure but in india i feel like it's like indonesia united states has a lot of immigrants from other countries we don't have it. we just like we just have a bunch of states and bunch of different languages but we're all just indians but the united states is a different case so many people from different countries are living there so they're forced to accommodate them they're forced to be a little more you know welcoming and open-minded and that's really good but in india we don't we're just all indians only so we kind of (laughs) and when when it comes to religion actually we don't have that much diversity it's just 80 percent hindus and the rest Mm -hmm. are muslims and christians and other things so it's religion is one such issue i keep bringing it back because it's one such issue where there's literally it's it's scary that's how i describe it
1: i see so let's like conclude and i would like to ask you Srina, what do you hope to see for like the future of india like
0: what do you think would be the ideal outcome in terms of freedom of speech yeah, that's a good question. I would hope to see some more liberal, some more open-minded governments coming into place right now. We're just on the right-wing path. And I like to think I'm open-minded, but I don't think the right-wing is currently the... Best thing for India, we need somebody who is younger, we need somebody who is more open-minded. Yeah, come on man, I feel like it's high time we get Prime Ministers and Presidents who are not like 75 years old. Like come on, let's get over that. So, and I would like to see some more um, socialist uh, policies perhaps, maybe not our Prime Minister, you know, uh, being basically under our billionaire's toes, that's not really nice. So yeah, that's what I expect
1: i think for me personally i would love for like i would like there to be like a gray area in terms of censorship because i do understand the need to ensure that everybody lives harmoniously i think that pothma could be a great
2: thing if Mm -hmm. it's not like abuse Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah what do you think i think for me i think we should have more like in terms of making sure that PAFMA and other censorship laws in the future because you know we have like uh in the world there's like an index on censorship and Singapore's regarded as like a censorship city yeah. like we are very high on that compared mm-hmm. to you know countries like China and so on but I think in terms of like policing Singapore we should have more like opposition like parliament for members sure. or have at least some way for like opposition leaders or anyone who has anti-government policies to like check the government, check their policies and a way for like protests to kind of run more effectively Mm -hmm. less like a concert or anything that's Mm -hmm. the type of like the future where like actually citizens and opposition parties get a stake on our policies for sure exactly
0: i agree i feel like opposition is such an important part of democracy and if we don't have that we don't have a democracy basically Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. but at least singapore you know we allow like western television and certain like media mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. other countries to be shown so I'm, I'm pretty happy that i'm able to like have at least anti-government views on google and research about anti-government yeah views. for sure yeah mm-hmm. oh so i think that is all for today
0: yeah
1: thank you so much for joining us Srina. we had such a good time discussing this topic
0: with you thank you so much for having me i learned a lot about singapore and We had a pretty
1: pretty Mm -hmm.
0: fruitful discussion, i say.
1: Yeah, and we learned a lot about India. Mm -hmm. So you guys can also check out Shrina's podcast, The Teenage Lens. Um, And you could also follow us on Instagram at Avocados. If you have something to discuss with us, you can email us at uh, avocados at Mm gmail.com. And that would be all for today. Thank you for listening. Bye!